0: Welcome here. So you have um, them from all walks of life and from every region in India. So um, that would also be nice for the discussion also to compare what you see happening for for, Tamil Nadu. And maybe also you can reflect a little bit on what's happening in the whole of India and where. Is then the position of Tamil Nadu? I know that Apple wants to make all his phones here in Tamil Nadu, as far as I know. But I mean, so Tamil Nadu is apparently also one of the most, you know, um, strong states economy wise in India. But maybe also you can reflect a bit on the differences with the other parts of India and how you see also maybe um, the political developments, um, how it all interconnects, and where do you see it going for the next two years, and where we as a Dutch network could. You know see our opportunities to uh, connect with Nadu economically and then for economy beyond for us is innovation it's agriculture it's water it's health it's that are the four focus areas where we uh, are focusing on yeah okay thank you
1: first uh, thank you very much to my good friend the honorary council uh, to the chief economic council uh, to all of you and uh, I'm very happy to be here. I think it might be the first big gathering I'm addressing after taking over my new portfolio. So maybe it's an apt time for me to also reflect on a few things. Since all of you have some experience in India, I won't go into the kind of India story, but I will try and make a distinction at the outset what I think the strengths of Tamil Nadu are and maybe what some of our limitations in the recent past are because our strengths are actually uh, more than a century old. What separates us from most of the country and just statistically maybe I should just lay the template. Uh, if you look at India, there are four large well to do relatively developed states in India. That's uh, Maharashtra, Tamil Nadu, Gujarat and Karnataka. There are small well developed states There are large not developed states. But large developed states. There are only four. Uh, these are the large net contributors to the national exchequer, um, tax-wise, revenue-wise, and where the bulk of the economic activity happens. I think uh, Maharashtra maybe 15, 16% of the national GDP. Tamil Nadu will be about 10, 11. Gujarat roughly the same. Karnataka, you know, in the ballpark. So between the four of us, we're probably 45, 50% of the GDP of the country. What makes Tamil Nadu unique, even among these four, is the uh, kind of equitable distribution and participatory economy that we have. Relatively speaking, our Gini coefficient is about 10% lower than the other rich states. Relatively speaking, the penetration of education, of access to health, of access to infrastructure of urbanization. We are almost 50% urbanized state. Uh, No other state in India or at least large state, is of that scale. And all these are the consequences of over 100 years of a particular approach to development, much more inclusive, uh, one driven by social justice, one driven by education as the basis for growth. So back in 1920s, under the bicameral uh, administration developed by the British called diarchy legislation to provide compulsory education or to to uh, require compulsory education for boys and girls was enacted in 1921. So that's how far back it's more than 100 years. So the good news is that you know we have the human capital infrastructure uh, in place better than most places most states and definitely the national average Additionally, our location, our history, our culture has been always kind of global. A lot of seafaring, a lot of trade. Uh, We have excavated now in a place near Madurai called Kilari and even further south in Tinalvelli coins that are, you know, 800-600 BC trade with uh, the Roman Empire and so forth. So, you know, we were always a kind of globally focused society or uh, um, outward-looking and willing to transact and, and, in fact, in some cases, conquer. As you may know, during the Chola period, the kingdom stretched all the way, Java, Sumatra, Kedah, all the way to uh, large parts of Indochina. Of course, geographically, we are blessed with the coastline, uh, with a lot of sunshine, with a lot of wind. So from an energy perspective, also, we're in a very uh, you know, fortunate position. And uh, lastly, I would say because we have been relatively well to do for, you know, decades, our infrastructure at uh, at least at the basic level in terms of roads per square kilometer, number of airports, you know, uh, logistics hubs, things like that, is better than most places. That, that's the good news. I must say that nothing comes, you know, all positive. Uh, some of the negatives we've had. Um, particularly in the last 10 15 years, and the administration has been beset by political uncertainty, by uh, some kind of litigation and some other uh, situations, by the death of two of the senior leaders who had otherwise um, been the tallest for 30 years or so. And so, a lot, lot of this uncertainty, uh, you know, the lack of clear political mandates and leadership leads to a lot of pol- policy paralysis. That's the lesson I take away. And so what had been a pioneering initiative in Tamil Nadu of the notion of creating a separate department for information technology, starting out with tidal parks and these kinds of shared investments in IT, ITES, uh, we have fallen very far behind. So if you compare us to Bangalore or Hyderabad, or even in some cases, Mumbai, we are very much underweight our potential uh, in the sense that what such industries really need is human capital, uh, in a class A office space and access to ports, airports and a decent quality of life. Uh, we, sh- we should have all of that ready made and relatively we have still fallen further behind. Uh, our competitors in the last you know we started out compatible or equal and then we started falling further further and further behind part of that I think is as I say the political scenario the lack of uh, steady leadership the lack of uh, uh, continuity in some cases part of that is that we don't do very well in terms of um, you know the core responsibilities of government the government itself was running hugely uh, revenue and fiscal deficits, so our investment in infrastructure dropped. We didn't keep up. Uh, our ability to do, um, you know, uh, incentives for industries fell behind because of our fiscal wars. and in fact, ease of doing business uh, slowed. Compare, you know, uh, um, I would say, aggressively slowed, and in in my. M- you know, benchmark, uh, the Gujarat of the former chief minister, current prime minister was probably the the case study for ease of doing business. There may be many other negatives for it. I'm not here to talk politics, but from the ease of doing business perspective, that was certainly, uh, you know, one of the kind of high watermarks of how easy it was to get something started, how well the red tape was unraveled or cut and uh, therefore the acceleration of growth just to give you a comparison in 2006 no 2011 um, we were about 11 uh, percent of the country's manufacturing and gujarat was about nine by 16 you know gujarat had become 11 and we had become about nine so basically the the, the scale had changed dramatically and um, Part of that, of course, was a different type of industry. You know, uh, Tamil Nadu has a lot more MSMEs, has a lot more um, manpower intensive industries. And Gujarat has a lot more capex intensive industries and a lot less MSMEs. So we are actually two substantively different economies if you compare Gujarat and Tamil Nadu. So we are where we are. I would say that from a fiscal perspective, we have corrected much of the errors of the last seven years within the last two years that I was in the seat. Uh, We are within the compliance level of the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which is 3% GSDP, which should be our fiscal deficit. We are still not quite out of the woods. We are running about 1% revenue deficit, which needs to be eliminated. Which will then free us up to do that much more, 1% more capex into uh, you know our infrastructure and uh, joint ventures and PPP. I announced just before I changed portfolio that we would set up a PPP uh, policy um, in terms of uh, framework in which we could work with people because clearly, uh, no matter the the part of the economic cycle we're in there are structural imbalances. People, uh, countries like India always in need of capital. We we got probably 30 years worth of big investment demand, as well as countries like Australia, Canada, uh, you know, the the oil rich countries, potentially even Netherlands. I'm sorry, I don't know um, as much about your economy, where there's a huge surplus because of the aging population and the historical, um, you know, wealth either from resources or from trade, And so there's big investable pools of capital, you know, in these companies, in these countries, and they're always looking for uh, long term investments, duration assets in the context of the global markets being quite volatile and interest rates basically being at unprecedented kind of levels. So, you know, the dearth of stable 30 year bonds, shall I say, has driven a lot of that capital into infrastructure, 30-year, 20-year infrastructure projects and that is actually a, a prime space for India in general, Tamil Nadu in particular. But moving more to my current portfolio, uh, I think the great luxury of this portfolio, of uh, it's called Information Technology and Digital Services, on the one hand it is a transformative portfolio. Uh, we are in the middle of doing some very exciting things, we are laying fiber to even the remotest villages. Of Tamil Nadu uh, under a project called BharatNet, we are probably restructuring our cable TV, uh, government cable TV enterprise, to do things like bundling of um, you know data plus VoIP plus TV, like uh, the West has done, and probably make that a transformative uh, both social justice in terms of access for all to high speed, as well as inclusive to the remote rural areas. We are. Um, transforming the process of government to make it much more transparent we have uh, something called the Tamil Nadu e-governance agency and we are trying to move as many of citizen services online including um, we have announced from april 1st all tenders all government contracts and bids will now be only online and make it more uh, open to everybody rather than you know it's easier to rig a physical system and much harder to rig an electronic system so uh, there's still a bit of transformation going on. But where the real room for us, I think, is, is in uh, trying to catch up with our counterparts, in, in particularly in Bangalore and Hyderabad, uh, not just in Chennai, but in places like Hozur and Coimbatore and Madurai and stuff like that, where really, uh, human capital is the core resource for this industry, for innovation, for technology, for IT-enabled services. It's really about human capital. And the great luxury we've had of a hundred years of uh, this kind of inclusive education-based growth has left us with a lot of educated young people. Uh, Just for benchmarking, the gross enrollment ratio in tertiary education in Tamil Nadu is above 50%. That means more than one in two people go into some higher education in Tamil Nadu. The national average is around 25%. And the second highest state after us, Kerala, is about 32%. So so we're in a league of our own. uh, Not all of them are great colleges. Not all of them are, you know, putting people out directly employable. But in terms of, um, you know, and and I would put it a slightly different way, something like 88% or higher of girls the age of 18 have finished high school in Tamil Nadu. You compare that to even a state like Gujarat, which is an advanced state, the number is less than 50 percent. So we have huge participation of women in the workforce. There are many, many uh, MSME owners that are women. There was a recent study that showed that 40 percent of all women who work in the manufacturing industry are based in Tamil Nadu. Now, that's a remarkable statistic, partly driven by the the phone manufacturers and the electronic industry and the leather and non-leather footwear industry, which are huge employers of women. But still for six, six and a half percent of the population, having 40 percent of the women engaged in manufacturing, you know, talks a little bit about our unique talent pool and the breadth of it. So I think uh, the last word I would say is really it's incumbent on us to make it much easier to do business, to bring transparency and speed of execution to people who are looking to uh, do cross border action. The global economic slowdown, uh, which is a very high possibility, will be bad for us in some ways, but also will bring us opportunities um, in terms of large tech companies, which never used to be cost sensitive before, have started to become cost sensitive. I mean, People like Apple and Google didn't really care their profit margins were so high. They didn't really care about uh, the, the cost basis that's changing a bit. Uh, for the first time, as you've seen, there's been massive layoffs in those companies as well. There's a big shift. My friend and uh, very intense competitor KTR has been on a tour of the US the last week or 10 days. And every day he announces another five or 10,000 jobs going to Hyderabad. Yesterday was State Street, an old client of mine from my investment banking days. Uh, we are talking to bank of new york Mellon, which is you know a close competitor so uh, i mean i the more ktr does the better for country but you know we think we can also now up our game to play in that league which we haven't been to be honest
2: and one other great luxury we have
1: the final word i'll say is that there is a huge tamil diaspora particularly in the tech industry particularly in the financial services industry. And as you know, uh, the financial service industry is one of the biggest employers of tech and innovation, uh, whether it's FinTech or just core analytics or processing or money, you know, anti-money laundering or any any of these things. Huge uh, employer of people in the tech industry. And uh, my own experience over 15 years or so in that industry was that tens of thousands of jobs were created in India uh, for such firms. So I think, uh, you know, I put all those pieces together, uh, we're starting from a very low base, uh, starting way behind where we should be. But in some ways, it's a very exciting opportunity because of uh, all the reasons I said, the connectivity, uh, the fact that we have the human capital. And, and if COVID taught us anything, it's that uh, now, you know, you can work from anywhere. And so most people would prefer to work from their homes or close to their families or to their societies. Uh, and I think that's a big advantage we have because the talent is sourced from here. And in fact, during the pandemic, we discovered quite the extent of uh, Tamil um, techies in, in Bangalore because you had to get passes to, to cross state borders. And only then we realized how, m- how much of the Bangalore talent was actually originating from Tamil Nadu. So, maybe I'll stop there.
0: First remark and end question. Um, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that the female labour participation in uh, in Damanado is very high. Um, I, I had a meeting um, with the World Bank uh, a month ago. It was about the um, economic uh, position and development of India as such. Um, one of the big impediments, you know, we have a lot of challenges in the country, economically speaking, but one of the big impediments for India to get its growth up above the 7-8% the uh, line is the female labour participation. Um, in India it's about 25%, and if we want to grow from the 6 7 to 8 and beyond, we need at least 50% of the women to participate in the labour process and in in, in the market so when I hear 40% already then I mean that is a promise for the future right Um, but and then the other one is there is a huge demographic dividend here that's the second thing which I I think is very positive for the future economic development and probably you will bypass KTR for sure then and and also you know if we look at the um, economic successes of the Netherlands it's mainly based on our large uh, MSME sector, right? I mean, capital intensive sectors is nice, but it doesn't produce Mm -hmm. so much employment. So I think you have three ingredients here, which gives a lot of hope for the future. And then, you know, talk for the next three to five years. Would you agree or?
1: I completely agree. I think, you know, in fact, uh, I'll give you another statistic. Uh, Continuously, we have a higher than 100% credit to deposit ratio in all the banks know, I used to be uh, in, in involved in the because it's a largely nationalized industry the banking industry there's all these mechanisms uh, coordination with government and so forth but I took it very seriously as part of my job as finance minister and there's continuously higher than 100% credit deposit ratio which implies that money deposited in the banks in other states is actually being deployed in, in Tamil Nadu when you compare that to a state like Uttar Pradesh. The credit deposit ratio is not even 50%. For every rupee deposited, 50% is being invested somewhere else. So that's a huge negative to them. It's not good for the country as a whole. But this fact that there are so many MSMEs, the fact that there are so many entrepreneurs, the fact that there is a, a therefore a credit history and a reasonable likelihood of modeling risk and return uh, is indicative of that. Now, there are other states where the uh, CD ratio is very high, like Andhra Pradesh, where it's like 145, 135 percent, but also based on a very low deposit base because of the high Gini coefficient. There are not a lot of people depositing money. So in Tamil Nadu, uh, we have this uh, one aspect, and also uh, because of the lower Gini co- coefficient, the per capita consumption is very high relative to the rest of India. So we have a natural market here. Uh, in terms of consumer goods and uh, and possibly services. So I think the ingredients are all in place. And really, it's a question of uh, ease of doing business, removal of a lot of the barriers, um, and transparency, getting people the comfort level. I must admit, at least the high-end IT and those kinds of jobs, it also has a lot to do with um, the quality of life. The quality of life is not just whether you have a decent uh, housing, market, or uh, you know access to water or power or nature, but in terms of social and cultural activities, you know uh, we are far behind. I think, uh, to be honest, the, the nightlife in Chennai, for example, is not of the caliber of uh, Hyderabad or Bangalore, let alone Mumbai. So these are some of the things that we, you know, we have to decide are we really that cosmopolitan a society and if so then we got to uh, um, adapt our models to suit that this is something we've been talking about uh, a bit for a long time much more a lot for a short time and hopefully it's near fruition where we can bring in the kind of cultural events and the nightlife and those kinds of things that make it attractive for expatriates and for young people who are aspirational uh, to want to settle here i think these are the weak spots that we need to fix but the core as you say absolutely the the in fact if you look at the uh, high school graduation rates there are more women than there are more girls than boys graduating high school Ab- absolute number I'm not, you know even the population is slightly more female in most parts than male in my constituency there are more female voters than there are male voters this is very different from places in the north where the, the sex ratio is skewed significantly the other way. So, you know, we have all the, the building blocks. We're in a good place. Now we have to actually deliver and execute.
0: Good morning. I'm the innovation counselor, and thank you for these great insights and to hear about the ambitions of uh, Tamil Nadu. On previous visits when we were here, we also heard about some concrete plans to um, uh, get thought leaders, investments, new technology and innovation companies to the state. And uh, one idea that I was quite interested about is these um, technology hubs. I think they were called it uh, Also this year we saw the first edition of you Imagine, also this flagship event. But I was wondering how with these it and uh, if the plans are still on the table and also what is happening there. Because I believe there was one plan for Chennai, but also there were ideas of talking um, and investing in Madurai and other places in the state to get more technology, kind of regions where uh, investments and innovation companies would uh, be able to settle.
1: Uh, As you participated in the Imagine, I think it was a flagship event. We had never done anything of that scale before. We got a lot of interesting leads and events from that or or continuity from that. About a week, on the 15th of may so about nine days ago the first it and t hub was actually declared open at the anna university campus by the chief minister we've been working on that uh, for a long time Uh, it's a bit of a ironic twist that the ceo of that hub was somebody that i referred when i was finance minister i referred him to the uh, it minister and they found him to be suitable because he had a lot of startup experience uh, and they didn't know him from before so I'm happy to be reunited uh, with uh, Vijayanand who I referred. I think this is um, you know, going to be a, a replicatable experience. You know, we want to get a bit of momentum out of this one and we'll definitely replicate them in other places, in, in Madurai, in, in Salem, in tirunelveli uh, There's enough talent in all these places that uh, really wants to come back. In fact, I'm quite surprised when I look at many of the big companies uh, just to name a few JSW and Adani, the top management are all from the Tutukuri region. Right? all the all the Indian guys who run it, I'm not saying in, only in India, even in Singapore and other places are all from one particular place. So uh, there's definitely potential. I must confess, I've only been in the job for about 10 days and I still had a lot of handover responsibilities because I had four or five portfolios in my old resp- uh, um, you know, post. So I haven't really had a big formal review of my department, partly because of my uh, issues, partly because my secretary has been traveling overseas. He only returns tomorrow. So only the day after we've actually scheduled or no, he returns today. And only tomorrow we've scheduled the first formal review. But definitely, I think these are all easy ways for us to increase connectivity, increase exposure, increase the likelihood of something clicking is these kinds of events and these kinds of hubs. And um, in a state where, you know, there's been a lot of um, red tape and other problems and seeking and other problems, these hubs should eliminate a lot of those uh, frictions and smoothen, talent to actually achieve its potential. Thank you, Your Excellency. Uh, I'm almost jealous. I mean, it must be very
0: exciting to work in these days in this state. It's very nice. Thank you for your reflections. Agricultural counselor, so uh, it is about agriculture, uh, but it's more about, I mean, what I hear you say is a lot about the the urban side of Tamil Nadu. Um, It's about uh, glass fiber, for example. Now, there is also in Tamil Nadu, a huge rural population, Uh, the gender issue is there, many women working there, Um, there's smart tech in agriculture, how, maybe some ideas that you might have, some ideas on how to connect the rural to this booming urban uh, situation, thank you. That's a very good
1: question. i will say the good news first, and then I'll tell you some of the challenges. The good news is, much like every other city in India, Tamil Nadu has 100% penetration of fiber in the urban areas. So, you know, uh, just to give you context, when I came back from the U.S. as an expatriate in 2006, the height of connectivity was a 1 Mbps DSL line in the heart of Chennai. It was not available, you know, throughout Chennai. Now I can get, I don't know, 300, 400 Mbps, fiber in, uh, in my house. I happen to have more than one house in any house uh, and in Madurai. So, so but that's not, uh, it's probably better fiber network in Tamil Nadu cities than other state cities, but all cities are 100% penetration because by now even the 5G speeds are probably like 20, 30, 50, Gp, I mean 50 Mbps. The big difference is that we have almost 75 penetration of smartphone and cell towers in rural Tamil Nadu. That's quite unique to other states. I think other than places like Himachal Pradesh, which are much higher for various historical reasons and being tiny in size. No other large state has that kind of 5G penetration or 4G penetration in the rural areas. The project I was talking about was only for the rural areas. We are not, the BharatNet net is not for the urban areas. That's already done. Commercial providers do that. The state is only doing the rural area connectivity so we hope to do the bulk of rural areas uh, in the next year or maybe 18 months that's the connectivity piece the agriculture piece um, i must confess that i myself have been quite uh, disappointed in the sense that Though we have premier research institutions, the agricultural universities, and in fact, many of our top IAS officers in the country come from the agricultural universities of Madurai and Coimbatore, the extent to which the available technology has been uh, adopted or the facilitation has been done to the last mile of the farming community is actually quite poor. And uh, As finance minister, I was pushing very hard for a clear database first of who are all the farmers? Where are they farming? What are they farming? What all benefits are we giving them in terms of uh, subsidies or insurance or connectivity to uh, futures platforms? Because my instinct, which is again, uh, it's not specific to any one government, my instinct as a large uh, landowner myself, ancestrally, my instinct is that the bulk of the benefits are going to very few people and uh, the bulk of the people are getting very few benefits. That's that's the sad situation. And uh, in a lot of places, this is true. It's not just a problem in Tamil Nadu. It's true across the country but we ought to be better and for example i will confess that i think karnataka does a better job than us because they have this integrated database where in one database you can go all the way from the land record to you know you have in our country you have something called adangal you have to register what you've planted uh, to get benefits from there to the subsidies to the insurance to the access to the futures trade all of that is in one database and if you do that The first thing you do is reduce the leakage in the pipeline by probably more than 50%. We spend a lot on agriculture, a lot, maybe, you know, in a budget of X interest payments and debt in a budget of, let's say, 3 lakh crores or 3 trillion rupees, probably, you know, between subsidies hidden here, there and power and all that, it's probably 20,000 crores, you know, a good 6% or something is in agriculture but a lot of it is wasted inefficient and wrongly calculated for example we provide free power to farmers but we are not actually giving it to farmers right i mean i've mentioned this in the on the floor of the house that when we do the analysis we find somebody who owns like 0.1 acre is running a 50 horsepower motor 24 hours a day including when there's no seed in the ground right so they're clearly running hotels or colleges or whatever it is with us so you know, from from my old job, I'll say that we are highly inefficient. From my new role, I will say that this translation of available technology, whether it is, you know, um, micro automation for transplanting and things like that, which has actually evolved quite a bit from back from, you know, a decade ago when I was still actively engaged in my own land, which I've lost connectivity with. Uh, to drone uh, kind of uh, planting to spraying to optimization of, uh, of uh, fertilizer uh, the technology exists i've seen demonstrations and, and we have good models of facilitating fpos of uh, cold storage in a shared capacity etc but if the goal and really the only goal ought to be in my view the goal ought to be to make small farming economically viable, it's a very simple goal. If you make, uh, you know, every small farmer capable of making a decent living, then, you know, uh, of course, it, it's a uh, it requires a lot to get there. But as long as we all agree that is the goal, then there's very clear parts of how to get from here to there. But in fact, there's a lot of deterrents uh, put into the system because a lot of vested interests. Benefit from the broken system, but there's huge upside. You know, the the ratio of retail price to farm sale is perversely high. It's maybe five x, eight x. You know, there's something profoundly wrong in the system. Um, there's a lot we have to do. Uh, I'm not sure I will be able to break the logjam as the IT minister when I couldn't do it as a finance minister, but but I acknowledge there's a lot to do. Good morning,
2: uh, Honorary, now I even say it myself. Uh, Consul General for South India, based in Bangalore, but also covering uh, Tamil Nadu. Um, I actually have two questions, I'll try to pose them uh, quickly. Um, India has uh, the ability to compete on a world scale on services level, especially in IT. Tamil Nadu also has this manufacturing base that is lacking in most of India. How do you see that could play a role in the future, also looking at companies uh, divesting from China? What is your view that Tamil Nadu, uh, the role Tamil Nadu could play? Um, and my second question, in the Netherlands, of course, we're looking towards an economy for the future. Hydrogen, uh, Green hydrogen plays a big role in it. I know Tamil Nadu has big plans for offshore wind farming, also hydrogen. Uh, also, it, I know it's not your your direct responsibility, but uh, if you could say something about this. Thanks.
1: Well, i say very quickly, uh, we are happy that we have the manufacturing base and not the kind of non-labor manufacturing that happens in Gujarat, let's say, like refineries and things like that. We actually have auto manufacturing and other fabrications, electronics, things like that, which are relatively labor intensive. The problem with manufacturing, as you know, is that between intent and outcome is probably 18 months to two years. And that's assuming you have access to the land and, the you know, it takes a lot to set the factory up, get it going hire the people train them, etc. So that kind of lead time is there. Um, I think we have a lot of projects in the pipeline. We hope that they'll come to fruition. The luxury of having existing bases like uh, Hyundai is now expanding its plant, you know, uh, Apple will expand. The Tata are expanding, the shoe industry is expanding. So having somebody here is easier. They know what they're doing. They can expand altogether. Greenfield first time investors, the lead time is quite high. So, you know, we hope that it will work out, but there's a lead time. The second question we've already, I think, assigned three MOUs for green hydrogen. All at relatively big scales, like subsidies of billion dollars plus. Uh, for three different companies where we're doing vast amounts of solar converted to green hydrogen i think in one case it may be even green ammonia uh, but uh, i mean basically a storage but uh, till we see a couple of them come to fruition it's hard to say right i mean it's a promising technology we have we have provided the incentives for it like over a 20-year period the subsidy um, let's see how it works out and of course off- offshore wind we're waiting for the government of India because government of India has just first set the policy. Um, you know, they've, they've run some potential tender without actually framing the policy. So it's a bit we're constrained because it's offshore. It's their regulation first, uh, and
2: we have to follow after that. Good morning. My name is Amlan Dora, Excellency. Personally, it is such a welcome change for me to hear from a politician who doesn't sound like one <laughs> and no wonder given your background. Uh, my question relates to come somewhere with ease of doing business. Um, when it comes to investment in a state and then ease of doing business makes very much sense. I see pretty much every state welcoming countries, foreign countries, foreign companies with open arms. <coughs> but that's not the only interface, of course, we have. We, our foreign companies, our companies, Dutch companies or any other foreign company would also like to do business with the state where we are offering solutions. And there we find it quite difficulty and to make it very objective, the difficulty predominantly comes from the L1 versus the quality debate. That's quite a conflict, because on one side, India talks about aspirationally becoming the global manufacturing leader, and also providing the best of the services, but then L1 kind of doesn't fit into that. As, a, um, as, as the government of Tamil Nadu, how do you see this going forward, the debate between L1 versus quality?
1: Let me listen to the second question because that's a question close to my heart, so I might speak for two, three minutes on it. Let me listen to the other question and answer that first. There was one more. Somebody else was. Uh. Thank you, Minister, for your time. Uh, my name is Arun and I represent the Netherlands Education Support Office. I just have one question. I'll make it quick. Uh, so, I hope uh, you all will agree with me that uh, the AI is slowly taking over and replacing some of the so-called soft jobs uh, in IT and associated sectors. And we are not sure about what kind of jobs will exist in the next five, ten years, or fifteen years. Uh, so, being from the education, I am curious to know how, as a uh, as a minister or uh, from the ministry, you are trying to bridge the gap uh, between the academy and industry, or is there any joint initiatives between the education industry and uh, the IT uh,
2: ministry uh, to bridge this gap and the initiatives? Would like to know. Thank you. Yeah,
1: actually, there is no, there is nothing right now. But I will say one thing that's already in progress and one that I had decided to do. One is that uh, the CM has this pet program for reskilling or upskilling called non one which was the gap that we thought between the college graduates and what the industry needed, we could see a clear gap. So it's very rare to find a market that's broken in both sides, right? Either you have too many people and too few jobs, or you have, uh, you know, too many jobs and too few people. Here we have too many unfilled jobs and too many people without a job. So we realized there was something broken in the market There's a project driven out of the CM's office to do upskilling and reskilling and counseling at the school level and so forth to try and move people into the right professions, into the right uh, kind of skills, uh, into the... um, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the near future. You have to catch them young. The, the part of the problem is that for us, we have a structural problem. The pace of enrollment in higher education has jumped so exponentially high in so little time that most of these uh, young people don't have a college graduate or a professional in their family to advise them what to do or how to do it. So, you know, we've we got some unique structural problems. I won't even go into things like AI. I'd say broadly the market is inefficient and we're trying to fix those inefficiencies. Um, going back to your question about government services. So as long as I was finance minister, one of the key ambitions for me was to transform the way we did business as a government, you know, there was so much inefficiency there. I've given you one example on the agriculture. So back in October, November 2021, I attended a CII sponsored event to encourage startups. And I realized there were so many technologies that we could use as a government. And so I brought in two innovations at that time. The first I said is that uh, for innovative companies, tenders up to 50 lakhs would not have to go through a bid process. We could just do it directly because they had a unique solution that nobody else would do. Uh, And the second is that, so we gave them an exemption from the Transparency in Tenders Act. The second is that Uh, We ran proactive days. So every department of the government of Tamil Nadu was required to run a sell to government day And they were advertising it on the internet some three or four hundred companies would sign up startup companies would sign up some 50 or 60 of these would be selected they'd have a kind of uh, beauty contest like one day where they'd come and pitch and whichever of those the government could immediately use Basically, we would sign up with them. So this is at a small because it was a win-win-win. It was the best outcome for the government. It was uh, validation of the technology, and it was encouragement financially of the of the startup that we thought would then grow and create jobs, you know. But one of the last things I did when I was finance minister, I announced that for any project that requires high levels of uh, integration across the state, you know, thousands of Um, an endpoint, point uh, point of sale equivalent, like the public distribution system where we're checking everybody's fingerprint. Any system that has these characteristics that requires mass uh, usage or application, thousands of points, points, endpoints, integration into the state data center, and some kind of, um, uh, what can I say, cybersecurity concern all of these should not be bid on uh, price alone they should be bid on a qcbs you know quality first there a lot of pushback uh, I, I don't want you, you, you understand what the pushback is from uh, huge amount of pushback i was not quite able to get that language into the government policy though i fought very hard for it they were they gave me thousand excuses this way that way that way But uh, I left uh, with the public announcement that whenever there are large-scale data-based widespread uh, kind of um, cyber security risk applications, uh, for example, in the um, alcohol, in the TASMAC uh, business, or in the public distribution system, or in the voter ID management, all of these, I said, should only be bid uh taking into consideration the quality of the bidder first in fact informally what i used to say was that i want a minimum of a tcs or a infosys or a wipro because they're public companies they have a track record they have a reputation to protect they get get access to insurance and you know for all these reasons i only wanted companies like that to bid uh, contracts of a certain complexity i didn't want any any kind of backdoor entrance I was not quite successful in getting that implemented but the the problem is is on my mind i might be able to do something about it uh, in my new role because after april 1st we've gone to this fiscal year we've gone to 100 percent e-tenders and and the risk if of course if you're an e-tender and you have a you know broken or or, uh, uh, less than compliant process is you leave behind electronic records that can come and haunt you uh if you were to be investigated you know six months two years five years down the road uh so with that as the leverage uh and the hope that the e-tender rule will not be undone i think there's things i can do in my new portfolio that will make it uh, better more transparent and more room for quality bidders at the international been there done that scale to come and help us transform and run uh, our government and our services better. I, I just want to make one uh, pitch, if you, if you don't mind. Uh, the Chief Minister has announced that in January 2024, we're going to hold a global investor summit in Chennai, um, and uh, this is our path to one trillion vision that he has uh, along that lines. And so, you know, I would encourage you. Uh, Any of you who have either, you know, connectivity or yourself or through, um, you know, your offices in facilitating or being trade promotion people to, um, you know, to consider participating in that in some way. And ahead of time, we can start connecting you, Uh, though I'm not the Minister for Industries and Investment Promotion. uh, The gentleman who's in the seat is a good friend of mine. You know, in fact, a junior of mine in a in a different role, and also the uh, the new incumbent who sits on the uh, the firm. What is it called? Guidance. Guidance Tamil Nadu, which is the facilitation agency, is a junior of mine from the same uh, university. So you know, I can I can certainly facilitate the connection um, if you want to get started right away to look at those things.
0: You, as a token of our appreciation, thank you so much. mm <laughs>